0: is the part of scripture where Saul and Jonathan have been killed. Saul and Jonathan have been killed and the oil that was poured upon David all those years ago when David was just a little shepherd boy the oil that has been poured on him for him to become king was now about to be announced to the world. Please emphasize this. It was about to be announced to the world. Can I get somebody to say the world? This is highly important because David already knew his anointing before they did. He already knew what he had oil for before everybody else did. This is important because a lot of times we have to understand when it comes to the story of David and the life of David, he got anointed to be king while Israel still had a king. That's a whole word. I could preach a whole sermon. Um, how do you handle it when you got next? <laughs> what's your posture and what's your attitude when it's not your season? It's theirs, but you serving them while it's their season, even though you know you got next. I didn't say you have. I said you got. You have. You got next. So what happens is David has a pasture placement. But he has a palace anointing. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I wonder if there's anybody in the sacred sanctuary on tonight, and watching online, that you feel like the place you are doesn't match what you've been anointed for. Am I talking to somebody? The the place you are does not match what you have been anointed for. David knew that he was going to be king, but right now I'm in the pasture, and I need us to understand this. We have to get that the season of selection is not always the season of exposure. This is all introduction, y'all, all introduction. The season of selection it's not always the season of exposure. Yes, you have been selected, David, to be king. But I'm not going to expose you to the world for you being king right now. I need you to understand the oil on your life. I need you to understand the anointing on your life before they ever do. The season of selection is not always the season of exposure. Yes, you are the one. That God has selected to generate financial wealth for your family, for your church, for your bloodline. But right now it doesn't look like it, does it? Just because I've selected you for the work doesn't mean this is the same day you're going to sit on the throne. Can I get somebody to say patience? And I tried to get us to understand this on Sunday. The reason we get so frustrated is because the distance between petition and manifestation Is patience. The distance between what you have been assigned to do and the manifestation of everybody else knowing what you have been assigned to do is patience. The reason we get so frustrated is because we're only focused on the manifestation. Y'all not talking to me. We're only focused on the manifestation. And that blindfolds us to see what God is doing right in the middle. In the middle, God is trying to teach you. I need to teach you to know my voice. Somebody say in the middle. It's, it's in the middle where God is trying to teach you your identity your identity is not in culture your identity is not in a boyfriend it's not in a girlfriend it's not in your bank account it's not in a blue check on Instagram your identity is found in Christ I need you to understand that so that you could know that since nothing in this world designed you nothing in this world can define you did y'all hear what I just said if I was a note taker, I'd write that down Nothing in this world designed me, so nothing in this world can define me. I'm trying to teach you your identity. I'm trying to teach you my voice. I'm trying to heal you from people-pleasing. Any people-pleasers in the house? I'm trying to heal you from people-pleasing. Watch this. So that you'll never stay stranded between choosing to obey my word and get their applause. Yeah, I want you to always choose my word versus compromising to get more money. Y'all not talking to me. I want you to learn to obey my word so that you will never choose a bigger platform versus obeying my word. This This middle season is where I'm chiseling you to be the man and the woman of God that I cosmically have created for you to be. This is why I'm chiseling you to be the son of God that I have cosmically created for you to be. This is why I'm chiseling you to be the daughter of God that I have cosmically created for you to be. Because I just feel this, y'all. In this season, God is looking for those who wants his heart, not just his hand. This is so good, y'all. This middle season, the season of selection, is not always the season of exposure. You have to know what you're anointed for. Because if you don't, other people will try to tell you what you have anointing for. Amen. And then you'll end up trying to get in the room that you don't have the grace You'll end up trying to open a door that's not yours. Can we talk, y'all? I know I'm an introduction, and I'm sweating already, and I haven't gave you the foundational text. This is all backdrop. I need you to get this. I need us to understand if you understand your anointing, your oil awareness is tied to you not settling. An awareness of what you have been anointed for helps you to not settle. Because everything that settles ends up at the bottom. Amen. And when you understand what you have an anointing for, you know why it was easier for David to resist the temptations of the pasture? Because he knew I'm not staying here. Wow. <laughs> it's easier when you have an oiled awareness because it helps you. To not fall into the trap of sleeping with something in the pasture, of dating something in the pasture, because I'm not staying here. Can somebody say I'm not, here"? I'm not staying here? This is for somebody this is for somebody, I promise, you will stop discounting yourself when you have a discovery of your oil. You will stop entertaining foolishness when you understand your oil. You will stop compromising when you understand your oil. You will stop lurking on their page. I'm going to keep on preaching until the aqua in the room, it leaves. You will stop lurking on their page when you understand your oil. How about instead of using all of that effort and energy, monitoring what left? Online, y'all should hear how quiet it is. (laughs) Instead of using all of that energy monitoring what left why don't you use that energy to develop a devotion life instead of using all of that energy monitoring what left why don't you use that energy and that effort to develop a prayer life Yeah, Get up and seek me in the morning. Don't get your phone first. Come to me first. How about give me your first fruit instead of your leftover energy? I want you to seek me first because prayer in the morning, you don't even know what prayer in the morning just changed throughout your day. I'm trying to get us to understand that you were made for the glory of the king. And yes, you have significance. And yes, you have a purpose. And when God made you, he made you with no eraser because he doesn't make mistakes. And any time you begin to doubt, rather I have significance, or rather I have purpose, all I want you to do is put your hand on your wrist. All I want you to do is put your hand on your chest. All I want you to do is put your hand on your temple. As long as you have a pulse, God still has a plan. The time has come for David to become king. Now, you have to understand, in biblical days, whenever a new king would get on the throne, whoever that former king was, they would kill the whole royal family. Your cousins, your uncles, grandchildren, I'm killing all of the royal family so that We don't have any conflict later down the line. I don't want 15 years into my reign, some uncle leads a rebellion, starts a revolt, thinking that they have ownership to the throne. So this is a practice that happened whenever a new king would become king. I'm going to kill all of the royal family. and So this word spreads, and there's a passage of scripture. That you probably haven't heard of, depending on where you are and your Christian journey. And I would like to read it to you. It's 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth. Imagine if that was your name. <laughs> had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old. Somebody saying childhood. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. Now, a few passages over in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 1, I want you to see this. One day, David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Remember, I told you what kings used to do. Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I could show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was David's bestie. We're going to talk about that later in the message. He summoned a man named Ziba, Who have been one of Saul's servants Are you Ziba the king asked Yes sir I am Ziba He replied The king asked him Is anyone still alive From Saul's family If so I want to show God's kindness To them Ziba replied yes One of Jonathan's sons is still alive He's crippled though In both feet Where is he the king asked he is in Lodabar Ziba said Mephibosheth is in Lodabar somebody say Lodabar Lodabar is the home of Mephibosheth is anybody alive in Saul's family? yes he has a son his grandson Mephibosheth And he is in Lodabar. Now, this probably means nothing to you. Unless you research and discover that Lodabar literally means the place of nothing. It is the place of no pastures. It is a Palestinian desert. A wasteland. So watch this. Mephibosheth goes from being the king's grandson to dropped... To crippled to a place of nothing. (laughs) A place of nothing. Church, a clause of concern and the verse that I would like to bring to your attention on tonight that might cause some tears to stream down your face as I begin to preach this sermon on tonight that I believe the Holy Ghost has anointed me to preach. I would like for you to focus on the segment of Scripture and the latter part of verse 4 of our foundational text in 2 Samuel chapter 4 when the text says, when his nurse, somebody say his caregiver, somebody say his nanny, Y'all are getting it. His nurse, when she heard of the news, she hurried, and picked him up. And as she hurried away, she dropped him. And he became crippled. I wonder who under the sound of my voice on tonight, y'all should see y'all faces. I wonder who, under the sound of my voice on tonight and watching online, you have been dropped and it changed you. No, you may not have crippled feet, but you have a crippled perspective. I wonder who is in this divine moment right now, under the sound of my voice, where somebody dropped you. And ever since you've been dropped, it changed you. I want to speak around this thought from this subject for a few moments on tonight. That changed me. Father God, would you anoint me as your oracle, as your PA system, the soundtrack of heaven, so that we could understand just because something hurt, It doesn't have to become our experience God help us to understand in this life we will experience pain but God help us to learn how to make sure that pain is not our only experience give us the grace and the wisdom to recover from everybody who dropped us so that we could live life giving you glory Versus thinking every person that comes in our life Is a potential suspect to do the same thing In Jesus name we pray And everybody who agrees with that prayer Would just shout in the room amen Amen Amen. Amen. Everybody watching online put in the room Amen When his nurse His caregiver Heard That Saul and David Saul and Jonathan Had been killed She picked up Mephibosheth and was running to get out but as she was leaving she dropped him and he became crippled who dropped you that caused for you to have a crippled area in your life it's confession time y'all know how I do I don't have to explain myself I just want us to speak over ourselves because I don't know if you do it on your own can I get everybody to say this and everybody online to put this in the room in all caps can I get us to say this Father Help me to forgive all those who drop me. I will not stay in Lodabar. One more time. I feel this, y'all. Somebody say, Father, help me to forgive all those who drop me. I will not stay in Lodabar. In Jesus' name. Hear Mophibosheth. He is the grandson of the king. He's in a royal place, just a child. But the one who was his caregiver, the one who was supposed to protect him, the one who was supposed to nurture him, the one who was supposed to provide for him, the one who was supposed to look after him, dropped him. And he became crippled from it. Let's personalize this text. Because I believe, not just myself, but a lot of us in the house and watching online, you're more like Mephibosheth than you know. A father was supposed to protect you, but he dropped you. A mother was supposed to protect you, but she dropped you. A grandparent was supposed to look after you, but they dropped you. A brother was supposed to look after you, but they dropped you. A sister was supposed to look after you, but they Dropped you No You don't have crippled feet But you do have a crippled perspective though You don't have crippled feet, but you do have a crippled personality Who dropped you? What made you get this cold in your heart? Who dropped you? You used to smile all the time? Why are you walking around frying frowning always looking like something stinks who dropped you? You didn't used to call yourself an introvert until that hurt. Who dropped you? You used to be outgoing, bubbly personality, always smiling. But now I'd rather be alone and kept to myself. Who dropped you? Who dropped you? And what I'm trying to get us to understand on tonight is you don't protect your heart. By acting like you don't have one. You don't protect your heart by acting like you don't have one. Who dropped you? Why are you acting so nonchalant about everything? You know, some of us don't even dream anymore. All the stuff you used to dream about and pray about. Who dropped you so much so to where it affected your prayer life? Who, 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 who dropped you? It's almost like they betrayed the nice right out of you. (laughs) They betrayed the nice right out of you. Because if we could talk on the night, church, please hear me. Betrayal can change you. Y'all not talking to me, but betrayal can change you. It will make everybody a suspect. Everybody is suspect and when good things come in your life, you still get suspicious. This ain't gonna work Something gonna happen. There gotta be a catch because betrayal can change you and sometimes it's not just that it hurt Like it hurt, but what made it hurt more is who did it? Who dropped you? Who dropped you? Because it changed you. It changed the way you think. It changed what you believed in. It changed your perspective. You know how many of us right now, under the sign of my voice, you allow yesterday's pain to be today's perspective. Who dropped you? My desire on tonight is I want us to heal to such a degree to where when we are having conversations... We will be able to hear what is being said versus our pain rewording it. Did y'all hear me? Heal to such a degree. Y'all ever been talking to somebody and they say something back and you're like, I never said that. I need us to heal to such a degree to where we can hear what's being said without our wounds rewording it. It's the paranoia, the, the paranoia, I'm going to get hurt again, the, the paranoia of they're going to do the same thing. You know why? It's because the mind replays what the heart fears to feel again. It's the endless loop of what if what if they drop me too and what if they do this too and what if they abandon me too and what if they're lying too and what if they betray me too and what if that's a fake pastor too and what if they just want my money too and what if and what if and so it's this endless loop. So now, every person that comes in your life, we immediately arrest as a potential trauma giver. No chance. It's quiet in here. I know I'm talking to somebody. Every person that comes into our life, we arrest them as a potential trauma giver. Because when you have been a recipient of trauma, every person is viewed as a candidate to do the same thing. Can I go a little deeper? A judging heart. You know how we get judgmental hearts? The spawning pool of a judging heart is somebody who has been dropped several times. Did y'all hear what I just said? The spawning pool of a judging heart, besides arrogance and being prideful, is somebody who's been dropped several times. Their judgment... It's because I had a caregiver that act just like you, said they love me just like you said they'll be there just like you, and they drop me. So I immediately think that you're going to do the same thing that changed me, that changed me. That changed me. I see it during praise and worship. My beautiful bride is up here giving everything she has, the whole praise team. Give glory to God. We're not trying to do a concert. We don't want you up here focused on us. We're trying to do what the psalmist says. Hey, everybody in the sanctuary, how about let's magnify the Lord together. Magnify the Lord with me. There was a time when you could only watch online. There are people all over the world wishing they could be here. There was a time when you were quarantined and were saying, don't just look at me, don't just stare at me, don't just participate, but worship the Lord with me. I'm not trying to put on a show for you, I'm not an artist, I'm not trying to give you entertainment, I'm trying to get us to worship the King. Worship is worth. Ship. It's when you are expressing, God, you're worthy of this. God, you're worthy of my passion. You're worthy of my sweat. This is why I preach so hard, because I preach every time like it's my last time, because one day it will be, and I have to give God everything I have now. Listen, y'all, worship, worship is thanking God for who he is. But praise is thanking God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he has yet to do. We come together. Praise and worship is just having good manners. It's saying, thank you, God, for what you've done. But many times we come here exhausted from the day. Your car stopped working today. Could have got laid off today. Ran over a nail today. Bad news on today The line at Starbucks was too long on today They didn't have your drink hot enough on today The line at Chick-fil-A is long Why y'all always wrapped around the corner? Everything on today annoyed, Annoyed you And so you come in the house of God And you have all these burdens of the day on you And then sometimes Satan has been in your ear And so you can't lift your hands Because you feel unworthy to give God praise As though you could ever be worthy enough Because it's not about your righteousness It's about Jesus righteousness and what he has done on the cross and we try to create an atmosphere where you can shake off the lies of the enemy you can shake off the weight of the day and give God his worth ship many times I feel as though in the sanctuary we have people right now who can't get the chains of shame off because Satan wants you to stay Lodebar wow. He wants you to stay in a place of nothing. He wants you to stay in a place of no pastures. He knows if you lift your hands. I'm talking to somebody, somebody right now, you are literally on the edge on one meltdown away from losing your sanity. And you come here, and it's hard to give God the glory. Because somebody dropped you. Somebody dropped you. Mephibosheth's caregiver dropped him. Maybe your mother dropped you. Father, brother, grandparent. It's about to get real in here on tonight. I don't know if y'all ready for this. We about to get emails. Okay, everybody watching online. They not going to like me for about the next few seconds. Because you know who dropped some of us? Pastors. Pastors. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. Many of us have crippled faith because of the person that we called pastor. Oh, boy, it's about to get real in here on tonight. Many spiritual leaders are responsible for us having crippled faith. The silent killer of faith, church abuse. The silent killer of faith, Church trauma, church hurt. It is the painful reality, the painful reality. When you come and you are in the army of the Lord, but you are experiencing a friendly fire. And to your shock, the person who's shooting at you is your pastor. (laughs) They're not going to like this, but I have to say my generation requires real. And so now we have people who rather deal with the graveyard of secrecy. Yes, I hate my sin. I hate my sin. But when I came to you, you didn't give me the cornerstone. You used a stone to stone me. And so I'd rather deal with my depression privately than ever deal with your judgment publicly. So I have secret warfares because you have the audacity to turn around and use what I confided in you as sermon content. Amen. Crippled faith. Crippled faith. I'm demonized when I talk about my struggled, crippled faith. And then we have parents. You don't even want to send your children to children's church because of what some pope did or because of what some priest did or what some bishop did, but nobody talks about it because that's the man of God. (laughs) Or how in the world do we have church gangs? Like my church better than your church. Y'all ever met people like everybody who doesn't go to their church is wrong. Like, y'all got this this just awesome illumination, and everybody who goes to your church is right. But everybody who goes to any other church, we wrong. We all wrong. Like a mafia mentality in church. And then we have pastors who low-key are competing with other pastors. Why are you viewing that other pastor as your competition versus a co-laborer? Many times, we have people who are dealing with financial strain. You know why? Because somebody prophesied to you. Told you, come get in this $1,000 line. If you, you, you have a need, sow a seed. Come, come get in this $500 line. Don't come down here without an offering, though. Come down here. The man of God is going to pray for you. I've read my Bible. I don't know if y'all read your Bible, but I've never seen Jesus tell anybody, I'm going to do a miracle, but first, give me your money. <laughs> this happens in church. You have crippled faith telethons and y'all remember them if you buy this cloth and you lay it on your leg you're going to get healed I have this oil from the Jordan and if you buy this oil and wash your hands with it you ain't never going to catch COVID I have this oil from the Jordan and it's anointed I'm not saying that miracles aren't real but I'm saying that they're not for sale oh people won't preach this I know they won't preach it because it'll affect their pocketbook you cannot sow your way out of rebellion God rather your obedience than He wants your money. He's not broke. (laughs) Oh, this is rough, y'all. Can we talk? So many times in the church, we don't have the spirit of Jesus, we have the spirit of division. Spirit of division. Hell breathes division. You're Republican. Well, I'm democratic. We believe in women pastors, but we don't. We believe in fruits of the spirit, but we don't. We're vaccinated, but we're not. We believe everybody should do this, but we don't. We believe all women should wear skirts, but we don't. And so we have all of this division. All of this division because hell knows we can never walk in the dominion of unity as long as we're fighting each other. We're not fighting him. We're fighting each other. There's dominion and unity. No wonder we have so many denominations. (laughs) You believe that? We believe this. You believe that? We believe this. Division. Division. Let me give you Bob. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Now John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not go to our church. I'm sorry. We saw someone who does not follow us, <laughs> casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not go to your church. Why do I keep saying that? He does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works miracles in my name can soon after speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. The last two messages of this series, I believe, was authored by the Holy Spirit. On Sunday, love is patient. And on tonight, that changed me. The reason I believe the Holy Spirit has authored it is because a lot of us, there is a next level version of you on the inside of you. But you know what's going to get it to come out? Love. Not lectures, but love. We've been dropped. And because we've been dropped, we have a personality that's really not ourselves. You have changed who you are. With every man that you have dated. You have changed who you are. With every woman you have dated. That last marriage changed you. That last church has changed you. And for you to get back to be the original version. Of who who God created for you to be. Is only going to happen in love. It's when we understand the love of God. Please hear me y'all. When we understand that God's yes, God's no and God's weight are all submerged in the same amount of love. When we begin to understand that an open door and a closed door, they're both submerged in the same amount of love. God's promotion and God's correction, they're both submerged in the same amount of love. And it's when we fall in love with God to such a degree, when, when we see the cross, we understand that Jesus didn't just die for you he died as you he didn't just die for you he died as you and the cross does not give a minor shift or two in regard of a few of your moral and ethical values but the cross radically disrupts the very center and citadel of your life from self to christ and when you experience the love of god you can display the love of god are y'all hearing me John tells us all day, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. They just seem so mean. Love is patient. They need that to be loved out of them. They need, I'm not talking about the cultural view of love. That type of love is you only extend it to people you are interested in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about kingdom love when you're patient with them. When you're gentle to them, when you're kind to them, when you keep no records of wrong with them, that type of love is gonna redeem what they lost because of who dropped them. Why do you need patience? Somebody needs your patience to see, I wasn't like this before I got dropped. What type of spiritual leader would I be? What what type of pastor? Would we have in the earth if we could not love people beyond? You're not yet. It's like everybody cut off game is so strong. I cut you off, your mama off, your daddy off. I don't cool. I don't care if I was cool with y'all. I'm cut all of y'all off. <laughs> but the next level version of ourselves comes out with the revelation of God's love for us, and when those who understand God's love display it. Somebody say patience. That changed me. You know why? Because it hurt me. It changed me because it hurt me. Like, if I have a headache, I could take a nap or take Tylenol. If, if I have a bruise, I can get some ice to put on it. If, if I have a scratch, I can get a Band-Aid. If I have a cut, I can get some stitches. But what do I use to treat my heart when it aches? Pain will arrive in all of our lives. And this is so powerful, y'all. Please understand this. A lot of us, we're picking out of pain. The person you called Bay would have never been your Bay if you were healed. There are some things you never would have tolerated if you were healed. You're idle out of pain. You don't want to be alone. I just don't want to get hurt again. Idle out of pain and drinking out of pain and getting high out of pain. Pain, pain, pain will arrive at all of our hearts. Some of us are running from pain, but here's the problem. Relocation won't evict pain. It's going to go like in a few days, a lot of us, new year, new me. That pain going to cross over right with you until you deal with it. Doesn't matter that it's 2022. Pain will be right there with you in the morning saying, hello. (laughs) You can't run from pain. Listen, y'all, this is universal. Everybody under the sound of my voice, the only way you got into the world was because a woman had to go through pain. Pain with you sitting on her sciatic nerve. Pain with the ankles swelling and like her ankles are starting to swell up because of you. Pain because the doctor keeps telling her to push, push. I'm trying to push, push. Contractions had pain. If there was a C-section, there was pain. The healing there was pain. Everybody under the sound of my sign of my voice, you getting here caused somebody pain. Now all of us are flawed, and all of us are imperfect. So this means there's a 100 chance. I said 100. There was 100% chance that somebody's flawed nature and somebody's imperfect nature is going to touch you. In lamest terms, somebody is going to hurt you. And what I want to do on tonight is to get us to understand pain will pay you a visit. But we have to learn to make sure that pain just visits. It's never a landlord. If I didn't need this mic, I would throw it. Pain is going to visit us all. We just have to make sure it's never a landlord. Pain is going to pick you, but I don't want it to have me. You're going to experience pain, but pain doesn't have to be your experience. If I could say how I have it in my notes, pain is inevitable, but suffering from the pain is optional. It's optional. Pain. Mephibosheth is down... And bar, and he's crippled. And he gets word that David, King David, has summoned him. As I was reading the story, I was like, man, I wonder what started to go through Mephibosheth's mind. Because you know, they're supposed to kill. All of the royal family, he could have been like, oh God, my life, I'm crippled, they didn't drop me, I'm down in this place where there's no pastures, and now here comes David, it's over. Has anybody been played by overthinking in the house? Overthinking? Have you ever like thought yourself into a mood? I'm glad y'all are honest. Like you, has anybody ever thought yourself into anxiety? You're like, you thought yourself into insomnia. It's not a devil. It's just, I don't know how to turn my brain off. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. Like, you thought yourself mad. I'm just having a bad day. Or are you entertaining bad thoughts? Thank you. <laughs> Anybody have, like, movie trailers in your head? Like you see it. You see the whole thing. Your emotions are the cast and your imagination is scenes. And I don't know why the mic is popping, but your emotions is the cast. Your imagination is scenes and your meditation becomes the credits. Full-blown movie. Anybody could get an Oscar. Like director, I could direct a movie in my head. (laughs) I don't know what thoughts begin to plague Mephibosheth. The Bible doesn't tell us. But verse 3 of 2 of Samuel chapter 4, David says, um, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. This messed me up because you know what David was saying? Where is somebody that I can show what God is really like to? Where is there somebody that I could show the goodness of God to? Where is there somebody who should be labeled as my enemy where I could show goodness to? And oh, what would the world look like if instead of always thinking about ourselves and what you want for Christmas, and anyway, it's about who hung on a tree, not what's under a tree, don't bother me. If we started to focus really on, you know what? Today I'm going to work. Who could I display God's kindness to? Today I'm going to school. Who could I display the gentleness of God to? What if truly we begin to view ourselves as billboards? And everybody who encounters me is going to experience the kindness of God. Verse 4, where is he? The king asked. He's in Lodabar. This is so powerful, y'all. He's in a low place. The kindness of God is summoning you out of a low place. I'm talking to somebody. God is calling you out of the place of depression. I know they hurt you. I understand that. But I'm calling you out. I know what your mama did. Some of our parents, they didn't even know. Sometimes they did. But I'm calling you out of this place because I want to show you the kindness of me. You've been here for too long. Now, I want us to remember David is a man after God's own heart. He's a man after God's own heart. So David sent for him and brought him. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. Look at this, y'all. Remember, David is a man after what? God's own heart. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Knew his name. When has anybody forgot that God hasn't forgot your name? All this suffering, everything. I, I've been in this low debar place. Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. David said, Don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you. Because of my promise to your father, Jonathan, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Are y'all seeing this? Now, as I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is so powerful because if you research it, the land that he gave to Mephibosheth was land in the promised land. Somebody dropped you and you ended up in a low place, but God still is going to fulfill his promise for you. Are y'all kidding this? Mephibosheth, listen, he is getting kindness due to the father's kindness that was shown to David. The only time you will see in the Bible, soul ties, is when you see... David and Jonathan were tied to one another. It's nothing homosexual about it. He loved David so much so, and Jonathan loved David, and David loved Jonathan so much so to where their souls were knitted together. Love, Not nothing, nothing homosexual about it, that type of love. And as I begin to look at this, I said, "Oh my gosh, the heart needs relationships that reciprocate. You are experiencing kindness from a generation before you. You're experiencing kindness because of a relationship before you. A lot of us are dealing with trauma because of your mother's relationship with her mother. Passed down. But just like trauma can be passed down, so can kindness. This is so good, y'all. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show kindness, show such kindness to a dead dog like me? We're going to come back to how he viewed himself in a second. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Now, remember, Saul tried to kill David, okay? You and your sons are servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But, somebody say but. But Mophibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Now, we know that Mophibosheth is not a boy anymore. He was dropped at five. But the text tells us in verse 13, Mophibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. He went from a place of nothing to a king's table. This is so powerful, y'all. Now, I begin to look at this. I said, he called himself a dead dog. But David didn't even acknowledge it. Did y'all catch that? David didn't even acknowledge it. It reminds me of another son of David. John chapter 5, verse 5. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, Jesus is also known as the son of David, saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in this condition a long time. He said, do you want to be made well? Here's an excuse. The sick man answers, sir, I have nobody to put me into the water when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus doesn't acknowledge him and says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, remember, David is a man after God's own heart. Jesus is God in the flesh. I'm seeing a pattern. When you give God excuses on why you are the way you are, he doesn't even acknowledge it. He just begins to speak about where he's trying to take you. This is so good, y'all. It's a pattern. I'm trying to take you to another place. David was a reflection of God's grace going to give you some points, and we're done. How do we let pain never be a landlord? How do we make sure that it doesn't? We don't empower pain. Point number one, we empower pain when we don't admit that hurt. God always has a David for for a Mephibosheth, but unless we admit that it hurts, you won't experience the kindness and goodness of your David, Just like Satan sends people to break you, God sends people to rebuild you. But I can't build you if you're acting like you're already built. When we don't admit that something hurt, it will produce bitterness. And bitterness always contaminates the container. Bitterness is the venom to inward peace. Try to hide it. Conceal it, but a bruised heart will eventually become a stank attitude. Now look at this, Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Speaking of Jesus, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are, say the word, healed. A wound is a cut you can see. A bruise is when blood vessels burst underneath the skin. He's saying, I could heal the stuff that is cut where everybody else could see, and I could also heal the stuff that don't nobody know about. The only way I could do it is we have to admit it. Healing is a responsibility of Jesus and my surrender. We don't seek to get even. We seek to get healed. Number two, when we don't talk it out. Now, we have to be careful with this one because feelings buried alive don't die. And by talking out, many times I'm talking about a prayer life and somebody you could trust. Please, everybody cannot handle your mess. And if you get into the waters while bleeding, you will attract sharks. I have to be able to talk out what hurt. All of us will experience pain. James chapter 5, I read it so many times. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Some translations say sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. Number three, we empower pain when we try to get revenge. I promise you God can get your back more than you can. The biggest flex is not coming like the person who hurts you. Number four, we empower pain when we try to seek closure. Uh oh. Sometimes the only closure that you need is knowing God has better. We prolong the pain by trying to reopen the door that God has closed. The only explanation that you need is that God has better. Number five, you empower pain when you monitor what left. Some of us have to get off social media. Not out of legalism, but every time you see a share your memory or a pop-up, it hurts. It's so quiet in here, y'all. It's it's all good, though. Number six, we empower pain when we try to get them to own what they did. Them being in denial, please hear me, y'all. This is something I've experienced personally. Personally. Them being in denial will make the pain worse. Toxic people rarely own that they're toxic. And you can't make them see that. You can't make them see that. You would get frustrated. But daddy, when you did this, they're not going to admit it. Pray for them. The prayer that Jesus said when he was getting crucified. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Number seven. We empower pain when we don't grieve properly. Cry, go ahead. Scream, go ahead. Yell, have your moment. But just don't let your moment turn into momentum for bitterness. What you feel is normal. But feelings are just servants. They're not masters. And Last point, you empower pain when you don't pray for them. You don't pray for them. I got deeply hurt in 2015. Deeply hurt. And it was by a dude. Like That hurts different when a man hurts you. A man hurt a man. And I begin to feel all this stuff in my heart. I'm not discipling nobody. I'm not hugging nobody. I'm not, nobody's coming to my house. I'm done with people. Y'all ever been there? Like, I'm done with people. I'm done. People are jacked up. Tell you all my pain and you're going to use my pain to turn around and hurt me the same way and do it with a remix? (laughs) I'm done with people. And as I'm praying, I hear so clearly, pray for them. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. (laughs) They need wrath. I'm just talking about me. Y'all may be holy, but if you ever feel like they need to be punished, (laughs) they need the wrath of God. Teach them a lesson. Let them see what they did. Let them see the error of their ways. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for blessings for them. That hurt me, y'all. I didn't mean it either. I'm being here honest, transparent. God, I thank you that you bless them. You know I don't mean this. I don't. I pray that they'll come to a place of repentance. I pray that you blow your mind, blow their mind with your grace. I pray that they have opportunities that will cause them to give you all the glory. I pray that they will experience your unfailing love. Then I feel myself getting emotional, so now I'm getting mad because I'm crying. But something was happening in my heart every day, and I did this three times a day. Pray for this brother. Prayed for him, Pray for him, Pray for him. It wasn't about their innocence. It was about my heart. If I cannot forgive what one brother did, And there are tons of things I've done to God. I won't be able to be a leader. I can't lead us into anywhere. If I'm up here teaching something that has been Googled or plagiarized, but I can't feel your pain when somebody hurts you and tell you the way that I got my heart back was when I began to pray for them.
1: What a powerful, powerful message. They dropped you, and when they dropped you, that changed you. Listen, we wanna thank each and every one of you for joining us on tonight. Your online presence is such a blessing to us. If you desire to be saved and enter into the kingdom of heaven, you can text Fresh Start to this number down below on the screen. If you desire to become a member, listen, we would love to have you. We would love to co-labor alongside you in our assembly. You can text the word membership to this same number down below on the screen so you can join our body. To everyone who has given, listen, your seeds are truly, truly making a difference. Without them, we could not push this gospel as far as we have. We would not have been able to send all of those turkeys to homeless shelters this past Thanksgiving, we would not have been able to do any of the things that we have done and are currently doing in the city of Houston without your contributions. And this time of year is a special time because we have our end of the year giving. So if God is placing something on your heart to give, listen, we appreciate it and understand that your seeds are making a difference and you are sowing on good ground. So again, we wanna thank you for all of your giving. And until we meet again, have a wonderful night.